What's going on, guys? Welcome to the latest episode of Weighing In with Worm. I'm your host, Worm Buffelli, and I just want to thank you for joining me. Before we get started, are you looking to upgrade your mower? Are you needing a new snowblower for the upcoming wrestling season? If you are, go no further than Raider Outdoor Power. Located at 2580 Rockdale Road, the good folks at Raiders will make sure you are set up for this season to get your lawn looking like a pro-level golf course or to get that snow off your driveway so you can get on with your day. Stop out at Raiders today and they'll make sure you are set and ready to go. Coaches, are you looking for new warm-ups for your team? Maybe a fan shop? Something local and high quality? Don't waste any more time and email Jeremy at X-Grain Sportswear. Located in Piasta, Jeremy will make sure you have custom mock-ups done fast and garments at a high quality at a fraction of the price of the leading brands. Email Jeremy at x-grain.com today and let's make your mark. The running joke in wrestling is look good, feel good, wrestle good. And if you want to look good, stop and see my friend Anna at King's Cuts by Anna. Located in Dubuque, she is one of the best barbers in all around. She'll get you cleaned up, lined up, whatever you need to make sure you're feeling good, looking good, so you can wrestle good. Download the Booksy app today, search for King's Cuts by Anna, and schedule your appointment today. Tell her Jeremy sent you. Are you looking to restore rusty old metal parts to like new conditions or protect brand new components with durable, attractive, long-lasting finishes? Lane's Custom Steel, located in Benton, Wisconsin, can help with the metal finishings and metal coatings. Offering a full range of custom metal restoration using power coating for individuals and businesses. Contact Shaden at lanescustomsteel at gmail.com. That's lanes, L-A-N-E-Z, customsteel at gmail.com. Let's get this podcast rolling. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Weighing In with Worm. Today, we are sitting here with Chuck Haas, recently retired head coach at Dubuque Hempstead. Uh, brief summary of Chuck's career. He was a four-time MVC Coach of the Year, three-time Northeast Iowa Coach of the Year, had three state dual appearances, including a fourth place finish in 2016. Coached four state champs, 12 finalists, 46 placers, and 100 qualifiers with over 300 dual victories at Hempstead. Quick backstory on Chuck as well. He was a state champ from Savannah, Savannah Illinois, NCAA qualifier for UD, was a first-team all-conference football player for two years, and then he's currently a member of the UD Hall of Fame. Chuck, appreciate you coming in, buddy. We're, I'm excited about this. Awesome, man. I, I really want to sit down with you because – I think you're probably you're easily the longest reigning coach in Dubuque over the last twenty some years. So I figure a good way for you to you know ride off in the sunset is get you on the podcast before you go. I got the boys coming up here in a little bit, but I wanted to sit down with you beforehand. So right off the bat, how did you find Hempstead? How did or how did you get the job at Hempstead? I was the head wrestling coach at the University of Dubuque uh, for five years prior to that. And uh, you know what, University of Dubuque was kind of my dream job. I was also assistant football coach over there, and I kind of felt like that was going to be my, my lifetime job. I absolutely loved it, but uh, I just, you know, at the same time, I started having kids. Brock was born, and, uh, you know, it was like Brett was born. It was like, okay, uh, I never get to see him. And it's just a, it was just a full-time major commitment, and uh, being a father was it became more important to me than – than uh, coaching, and not that the time commitment was a whole lot less at the high school level. I, I, the big difference was I knew that, like I like I recruited two sports when I was at the college level, and I you know I was on the phone every night. I mean, back then you had to dial a 52-digit uh, number just to make a phone call uh, from your house or get reimbursed for phone calls. It's not uh, quite as easy. We didn't have text messages when we were doing it, so technology might make life a little bit easier if uh, if I were to start that route today, but I absolutely have no regrets, and I knew 
I knew that Dan Dunham was retiring when he did, and I thought, you know what, uh, you know, I could go out and look, and I'm, I'm confident in my skills. I probably could have gotten a job somewhere else in the world, but uh, I want to stay in Dubuque. My wife's from Dubuque, and uh, want to stay in the area, and it, it was a perfect fit for me, and I was fortunate enough to get it. Yeah, and you know, Dan Dunham, a legendary coach here in Dubuque as well, so that timing fit in perfectly for you. But what did you notice right away when you got to Hempstead? I, obviously, I think back then it was like, when 99 was it? Yes. Yeah, 99, you know, that was kind of the hotbed of Hempstead wrestling for the most part right out of the get-go. Was that something you noticed right away with them? or You know what, I obviously knew Hempstead. I recruited, uh, had Jason Gordon over with me at, uh, at the University of Buke. Really great kid, qualified for nationals for me. I knew they had great kids, and obviously Cliff Moore had just uh, just moved on to the University of Iowa after winning three titles and a, and a second-place finish as a freshman. And, and uh, you know, so I, I knew what I was getting into, and, and a lot of it was, hey, I mean, the biggest pressure probably came from uh, Ryan Himes' mom. I still remember when I, the first time I met her, and she was like, you gotta remember that you are a wrestling coach first. You're not a football coach, and you need to make sure you take care of my boy Ryan. And uh, you know, I did the best I could, but, I, I, but the best, most important thing was just staying out of his way, because he was a freight train from day one. He was a, just a machine on the man. I've never seen anything like that. I, I was just talking to someone yesterday about him. He stopped over at Loris and I was talking to a couple of the wrestlers and I was explaining that to him. Like basically like if you go on Pin Doctor's YouTube page, there's a couple matches of his and he is just a buzzsaw. He was chiseled from granite. Like he was just a stud coming out of the gate. So right away, you know, you notice that you had something good going there. Um, and then I think if memory serves me right, there was probably a four or five year stretch where you had a date Saturday night in Des Moines every year for the most part. So to say that you guys, I mean, you had a good, good thing going right out of the gate, you know, guys like Ryan or Adam Gotchak and Matt Kelly and those guys, what, what stood out with those guys? Yeah. You know, Ryan was kind of the leader of the program when I first came, but, and there were some other good kids in the program, but we had a great freshman class, but people to get it. I think we had like 20 freshmen, including Adam Gottschalk and a whole slew of guys that ended up becoming really good wrestlers uh, before they left. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, it was something that maybe you take for granted once in a while where, you know, when you come out and you got that and you got Adam Gottschalk coming through and, and like I said, Matt Kelly was in the finals three years in a row, wrestled, you know, three of the best wrestlers in the country, you know, in the finals, could have won a, a match or two, but, uh, and beaten guys before that. But you know what, nobody, nobody could, uh, would not, you know, would, rather be in uh, his shoes than anywhere else. But uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. Uh, maybe a little bit for granted because it wasn't always, you know, you know, roses, you know, cause we did have a couple of years in there, you know, in the middle that was just kind of, okay, not in the finals this year. And uh, you know, it was like, you know, it was, it was a struggle, you know, and that's part of high school athletics. And uh, you know, these last 10, 12 years have been kind of back on a, on a high and, Pretty excited about they're pretty excited about what we accomplished. Yeah, and I was just getting to my next question. You know, you just said, you know, did you ever feel like there was a down part of your career? Like, did you think there was like a set like an area where it was just kind of like it wasn't? You know, you just said all roses all the time. You know, let's talk about some of those down years that you had. Like, you know, did you know like okay, we had some good things coming, or did you like were you questioning like, hey, is will there ever be something again? Yeah, you know, I don't think I ever questioned that we would, you know, be really good again. I think there was just a time there where where it just, our numbers weren't as good as they need to be. Maybe it was, you know, maybe we needed to do a better job with our, our youth program as it was coming up. I'm not sure exactly what caused a few of those downturn years. Uh, we still, I mean, 
you know, we still qualify guys every year, and, and uh, you know, but having those elite kids like you want to have every single year, year in and year out, uh, wasn't really what what my expectation was, uh, you know. And I'm, I'm sure you know there's a lot of Hempstead people out there that were like, oh my God, what's going on at Hempstead? Because there was a couple of years there where we're like, okay, we you know, all of a sudden we were middle of the pack in pretty much everything we did, and uh, that wasn't the expectation in Dubuque, and. And I knew it, and uh, you know, I don't. I don't think things changed a whole lot. I mean, uh, I think I always worked hard. One of the big things for me was uh, I always coached football. I coached football, you know, up until uh, Brett Brett graduated, and uh, it had been what 2012, mm -hmm. and uh, so that you know, it, it, a little bit of the reflection of our program, maybe making a good turn for the better, was when uh, you know when I gave up football and just put my whole focus in on football or on excuse me, on wrestling, and, uh, you know, maybe that was part of it, maybe it was just, I mean, obviously we've, we've had some really good kids, but I think uh, being able to spend some more time with them, especially with a lot of that off-season stuff, not that I didn't spend a lot of time, we, but we didn't have as many guys, you know, I mean, it was, you know, it wasn't really dragging Brock or, you know, Matt Kelly's or, or uh, you know, Adam Gottschalk along, but it was a little tougher getting some of those other kids, and all of a sudden we got a bigger group and a bigger group and a bigger group doing those off-season things with us. And, and a lot of good things follow. Yeah, and that and that leads me to, you know, in the last 10 years, you know, there was a huge resurgence, especially starting in 2013 when you had a freshman named Gannon Gremmel show up. Uh, let's, let's talk about that movement. I mean, I think that 2013 class, or that 2013 freshman class was, was loaded, it is, is an easy word to say for it, but, you know, let's talk about that class. You yeah, know. you know what, Gannon, I mean, I, I, I remember, uh, he was he was always in the Catholic school system, and there was one day where uh, I get a phone call from his mom, Desiree, and Desiree's like, "He's coming, coach," and uh, I'm like, "You're kidding me! We finally got him over here. Oh yeah, he's on his way, and uh, Gavin's coming with him too." And and uh, so it was uh, it was pretty exciting. And you know, Gannon obviously came in. Gannon, Gannon lost 13 matches his freshman year. Nobody in, in their wildest dreams thought Gannon Gremmel was going to be a four-time state finalist when he came in as a freshman and uh you know and but yeah you're right I mean that crew I mean my son Brandon came along with that and Brandon was a pretty accomplished wrestler up to that point and just guys kind of jumped on Gannon's coattails and like okay you know what maybe this can be special maybe coach is right you know we we got something special going on here and uh you know we were as good as anybody I know Jason Christensen you know we wrestled those guys in the semifinals I think that year's the state duels and uh you know, he was like, you know, I was I was more worried about you guys than anybody this year at, down there. And, and uh, we, although we finished fourth, we we're probably third best team that year. We maybe were second best team, but we uh, probably right in there. But uh, we uh, we set our guys in the fourth place duel just because we, you know, it, it was the old school way of having duels right before the individual tournament. And it was like, you know, how often did you see guys that got dinged up and like, who wanted to see Gannon Grummel or Brandon Haas not win a state title and because of state duels. And state duels mean a lot to me, don't get me wrong. I mean, they, they are, that 2016 team basically kind of created that resurgence, like you said. I mean, it was getting there, but that was like, okay, this is what it's about. And that, you know, now it's not just the Ryan Himes and the Adam Gottschalks and the, you know, Matt Kellys and those guys individually, you know, winning titles for it. This is about all of us, mm -hmm. you know, and it's not even the 14 guys that start. I mean, you know, you bring 25 guys down there and they all feel a part of it. And, you know, it's the, when you get that many, you get the whole community to follow you. And, you know, that's huge. That was huge for our, for our program. I think that was probably the biggest 
step that our programs have ever taken and carried over into 2018 in this past year. Well, and we've been to the regional dual finals for 10 plus straight years. I don't know. We, you know, so we're pretty proud of that. And like I said, you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the freshman that started in 2013 was kind of the resurgence of it all. Mm -hmm. And you know, so in your one of those scenarios that I'll, there's a decent amount of coaches that do it, but not. I don't think it, nearly as much as like I, I look at like guys like you and Dale Andrews, especially where you had three boys go through your program all four years. You know, you have dads out there that are coaches that might have one or two, but you had three. Was it difficult to transition from dad to coach, coach to dad? Because, you know, there's days where, you know, you leave the house as dad, but then you get to school as coach, you get, and then you come home, you have to turn on the dad switch. What, did you, what, did you ever find that difficult? You know, there might have been a few, few, few things that maybe made it different, but, I, you know, since uh, your Brock's freshman year, you know, it's been, I haven't known anything different, you mm -hmm. know. I mean, I, you know, they were, they, after he got done wrestling that following year, he came and coached, Brett followed suit, and, you know, they've all been a part of it. You know, when, when they wrestled for me, you know, I, you know, I never really tried to give them special treatment, you know. They were, they were the ones that, you know, the kids that you always want to stick around and do the extra things, they were part of the leadership. And maybe, you know, Brock was probably the number one guy when he, you know, when he went through the program, but Brandon obviously was was a number two guy, and Brandon was the guy that brought more kids along. I'm not saying Gannon wasn't tremendous when it came to, you know, doing things and, you know, getting kids to Hempstead High School and getting them out for the sport, but, you know, all three of those guys were ones that, that did the extra work and, you know, found a way, you know, to become a pretty doggone rest, good wrestler. Yeah, but, like, well, you know, I, I'm going to ask the boys the same question, you know, like, you know, can you ever think of like a specific time where it was like you had to stop and go, I need to be dad right now. I don't need to be coach or vice versa. I don't need to be dad. I need to be coach. Like, do you have any specific stories or like a memory that you can think of where it was like you had to stop and go, he needs dad right now. He doesn't need coach or he needs coach and doesn't need dad. Yeah, it happened. It happened a lot, I would say. You know, uh, you know, Brock, I remember Brock when he was. He was a senior, and his there was one goal for Brock, and that was to win a state title. You know, and he gets down to the state semifinals, uh, wrestling a kid that he had had close matches with uh, his whole, you know, that whole year. Really good kid out of Prairie, and uh, you know, it was like you know back and forth. We knew this kid was just a hammer on top. Uh, got beaten, ultimate tiebreaker match. You know, I never seen a kid that was like, you know. So down about it. I mean, he he wanted to be there. He he. I mean, he really felt like he had a chance to beat this Cody Crumweed even in the finals. I mean, I believed it. He believed it, and I uh, came up short of his goal. And you know, he was down in the dumps, and I don't think I did a great job of getting him up for that first match coming back. He was just that much better in the in the uh, you know. And he, he we found a way, and I I still remember sitting in the tunnel talking to him and not being coach, not being critical. And, and trying to do some of those things with being a dad more so than a coach, but I, I don't know. You, sometimes coach and dad kind of go hand in hand. I mean, to me, I mean that's just been my life. I've always, you know, I've always worked with these guys, and you know, I, I try to have that same kind of approach with all the kids. I think of all these guys that I've ever coached as being my children as much as anything. I, mean, I think once they come into our program, they're they're part of the family, and and uh, they become lifers. They stick it out. So. Yeah, and. You know, Rick Healy said this to me when I was expecting to be a father. I remember like one night saying how nervous I was and stuff like that. And he just looked at me and goes, dude, if you can be a good coach, you're going to be a great dad. You know, he's like, if, if you know how to coach kids, 
you're essentially your your kid's coach for life in every aspect of his life. Just tra- just transition to that. And speaking of transition, you know, you were just talking about, you know, all three of your boys ended up coaching with you. And, you know, tell me, was that dynamic a lot different than being the coaches, you know, coaching your athletes that are your sons, but now they're your coworkers, they're your colleagues, they're your buddies. You know, was there a transit, was there a weird transition or was it more just like, Seamless. You know what? I mean, Brock obviously was the first one to jump on board uh, after he got after he graduated from high school. Uh, started playing college football, came back and uh, started volunteering with us. Uh, you know, it became really a, a you know just a, a perfect scenario for me. I mean, you know, you you never and not, I, I I can't say I had anybody that was like a bad assistant coach, but these guys became like great at what they did and they you know they were so passionate about it you never had to question anything about it uh, I think they were always really good at listening and doing what you told them to do but you know the reason why both Brock and Brett became head coaches and Brandon could be a head coach tomorrow too if he wanted to uh, is those guys weren't afraid to say hey dad you know I think this is maybe a better way to do stuff and uh, they were always willing to share ideas and, and uh, obviously they were students of the sport where they were out always learning things going to you know, being like Brett being very involved with USA Wrestling and all the things he picked up there, Brandon Russell at UNI, uh, you know, a lot of things. But, you know, there's so much else out there in the world where you can pick up stuff, you know, through Flow Wrestling or whatever. And they just, you know, were students of the sport and they they truly became, you know, just, you know, perfect, perfect assistant coaches for me. And I, you know, it was never, I, I, I don't recall really a bad incident of those guys as assistant coaches with me. For sure. And I think there's there's one person in this family that doesn't get a whole lot of praise, but I think she is a an absolute you know staple in I call it the household, you know Mama Kim, you know she is a she is a coach's wife in every sense of the word. You know my wife always joked around she was like you know when it came to being gone a lot and all that stuff she go I'm not Kim Hass it's hard you know and I think she she deserves all the flowers on the planet. For, you know the 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 coach's wife role that she plays, you know, you got a chance here to to you know to express how good Kim is as a coach's wife. What do you think? Yeah, you know what? We've been married for thirty six years. We dated for like seven years before that. I mean, she's been a part of my life for almost as long as I've been around this world. And uh, you know, she's she is the blues. She's the rock. I mean, she's never ever ever said hey you're working, you know, you, you don't spend enough time at home. She was always the one. We were fortunate enough to where she could stay at home, you know, after a little while. She was kind of a stay-at-home mom. I mean, it's hard to believe with on a teacher's salary we did that, and then she started working on the house doing, you know, another job. But uh, she, you know, she she never questioned it. She's always, she's always been like the team mom doing all the little things, uh, so supportive of everybody. You know, she isn't, she isn't kind of like me. She was, wasn't just like supportive of her, of her boys and myself. She was also supportive of every other wrestler that I ever coached over the last 24 years at Hempstead and even beyond that when I was at UD and so forth. But uh, yeah, she's obviously the love of my life and she's, you know, been the rock of, of my life. And, you know, she's been that same thing. You know, she's done so much. There's no way this, any of this would have happened, at least with me at the helm, without her because she, not, not only did she, 
you know, was she there doing all this work, but she was there because there are tough times, you mm -hmm. know, watching your son lose at the state tournament wasn't an easy time and like, you know, even though I was a guy to get Brock up or Brandon up or, or Brett up when they, after they lost on the state tournament, she was kind of there for me. Like, you know what, look what you did, look where they're at. And uh, she was always, she was always like, she, there's not a more supportive, uh, positive person that I've ever met in my life. She's awesome. Yeah, she is. I mean, I figured, you know, I, I think about her a lot in the aspects of like, I don't think I, there was ever a wrestling tournament that I was coaching at or coming to watch you know, you guys, when I stopped coaching, or even prior to that, you know, where I didn't see Kim. Like, it didn't matter if it was wrestling Waterloo East up in Waterloo, or if it was a state tournament, you know, she she was down to ride the entire time. So, kudos to her, you know. And so, this year, when did you think it was time to walk away? Like, when did you have the realization it was like, it's time? You know what? I mean, I have, I've obviously been around a long, long time, and, uh, you know, these... My boys have done such a great job. I mean, I, I don't know. I, my body, number one, is just, you know, I'm not going to say it failed, but my knees have failed. My, I don't get down on the mat the way I used to. Uh, my, you know, I, I still like, you know, doing things, but like a, lot of the, a lot of the technical things that were being done on the wrestling mat were being done by, you know, these three guys. And, uh, you know, and I just felt like, you know what? Uh, I, I'm, I'm never going to leave, you know, probably. I mean, Hempstead wrestling as far as long as I'm alive. I mean, if, you know, these guys are going to be coaching. Uh, I'm always going to be around it, but do I really, what, what am I, you know, what, am I going to add anything by being a volunteer or somebody on the side that's going to still support, you know, the two head coaches? Cause I was like a hundred percent confident that Brett would become the next boys coach. So, you know, I, so it was just pretty simple to make that decision because, you know, even though I'm stepping away, you know, it's it's still I'm stepping down as the head coach. It's still going to be a big part of me, and uh, you know, but I don't I don't think they're ever going to say, "Hey, Dad, you can't be around here anymore." So, well, oh, that'll be an awkward conversation if that ever happens. <laughs> It'd be pretty tough at Christmas time for sure. For but, sure, uh, the lump of coals might actually show up after all. Um, athletes that were hard to forget. You know, you, you know, you're looking back on your career. Could you give me, you know, in no particular order, and obviously no particular based off of merit or anything like that. Give me three athletes that just, when you look back on your career, didn't matter if they won a state title or they won one JV match. Three athletes that you think you can look back on and just be like, I'm super proud of them. Yeah, you know, that's an impossible question. Okay. I can be, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take on, I'm going to take this on probably be a lot longer than what you want. But, you know, my, my first year of coaching, I coached down at uh, Comanche, Iowa. And, uh, you know, got an opportunity. I mean, fortunate. You talk about fortunate. I mean, we were, you know, second in state duels and third in the individual tournament. Had a state champion named Brent Carsonson, who's still the head coach at, at Comanche High School today. And, uh, you know, just having that opportunity to work with that kid and, you know, just kind of grow. I mean, here's a guy that I worked with in 1986 that, uh, you know, that was, you know, listened to everything that I did. I wasn't the head coach, but I mean, he listened, you know, had a great head coach too, but uh, developed a great relationship with somebody, you know, when I had a, at a pretty tender age, when uh, I was just starting to cut my teeth into the sport. And he really like, okay, I love this, you know, and he might've been the individual. I mean, that was the program too that I love, but, you know, I continued into it. So he was one guy that really 
today I just, you know, I still, I don't necessarily call a lot, but I see him a lot, you know, during the season as we talk, you would talk every time we see each other. And I, I really appreciate him. And, and uh, he's one that really sticks out in my brain. Um, you know, I, I, my, my career wouldn't have been anything without having coached my sons. Mm-hmm. So all three of those guys, I mean, you know, you might say one had a better career than another, but, uh, you know, it really didn't matter the wins and losses, just those guys being a part of it, you know, and... Uh, the time that you spent with them. Yeah, just, the, I mean, how many people get to spend their whole day with us? I teach with two of my sons right now, and, uh, you know, and then I, you know, then I would coach with them for two, three hours a night and spend countless hours at tournaments and dual meets with those guys. And, uh, you know, I mean, that those things will never, ever, ever be forgotten. Uh, and just the countless, I mean, we can talk about the, I mean, Gannon Gremmel, obviously, you know, has been a huge part of, of what we did, you know, what we were able to accomplish back in, you know, the early, you know, 2010s, 2012, whatever it was when he started up in there. And what's continued to today, I mean, you can't forget about him, but, um, you know, like you said, I mean, there's just so many, and it's not just the 14 guys that wrestled varsity for you during the years. I mean, some of those guys that, some of those guys that, that Russell JV, who still stay in contact with me, and it's it's you know I, I just can't I just can't express how much I appreciate that they're still a part of my life and that they still come back to dual meets. They still stay in contact at least around the holiday times. Come back during Christmas when we be West Dubuque at the County Clash every year. So I think guys like Adam Rang, like oh yeah, those guys like who oh, just yeah. they were just you know. They didn't have the careers that they probably had set out for, but they just are still down to ride. And you know, you see guys like, you know, I've you know I've been a, I've been around your guys' family for about probably fifteen years now. He's one of those guys that's just kind of always been there too, you know. So you yeah, know, yeah. I, I look at guys like that and stuff like that too. But obviously, guys like Gannon, your boys, Matt Kelly's of the world, you know, and that's something that I've always like. I've always respected about you, Chuck. Was like. Anytime that we were ever competing against each other or like watching you, so that it didn't matter if that kid was a 40 and 0 state champ or an 0 and 40 kid, you always seemed to bond with your athletes. And it always seemed like I could always catch you if, you know, the boys were in the corner, you were sitting next to one of the JV guys, even cutting it up with them, getting, you know, making them feel really included in the part of the team. And so that's always something I was always really commendable about your career and from, from my standpoint. Yeah, but all those kids matter, you know, it's, it's, it's never, it's never about, I mean, you're never going to be great unless you have a team and uh, you know what, I think that's a big part of what I tried to transfer on as I, you know, later on in my career as I became more of a mentor to my boys, you know, and less of a, this is the way it's going to be. And I, you know, the fact that you got to have numbers to be great, you know, I think something that really sticks into their minds. So now here's a fun question, I think. Favorite rivalry, your favorite, like the coach that that kept you up at night, or the coach or the team that you always had to sit there and go, God, I got to figure out a way to beat them, or they better not be coming and beat us. Like we want the the the, the duel or the team or the coach that like when they when you guys were competing, it I don't, I don't want to say it was personal, but it was like this is fun. It's a it's a good rivalry. Yeah, well, I I think it's pretty easy to right away think of uh, West Dubuque. Paul Cleary out there. I mean, you know, that's become a, a very, you know what, I love Paul Cleary. You know, I can I can say that. Uh, believe me, we've had our, we've had some verbal confrontations 
you know, at different times during dual meets. But, you know, to me, I think uh, we've developed a great friendship through, through everything. And I think it's been so good for Dubuque area wrestling, you know, to have us wrestle them, you know, every single year now. I mean, it used to be, okay, well, they were an absolute set of conference that wrestled. It was like Paul and Paul. I don't know who brought it up. It's like, this needs to happen. I mean, it doesn't, if we're not on the schedule, we have to wrestle each other every single year because it's good for us, it's good for you, it's good for a whole community. And we've done it a lot of years right around Christmas time and uh, affectionately called it the Christmas kind of clash. So it's, uh, you know, I don't know if that ever kept me awake at night any more than wrestling, you know, you know, a guy, you know, like wrestling Lindmar, you know, they've obviously been really good in our conference for a while or, you know, obviously I was City West who we didn't beat for a long time and, uh, you know, those were like, uh, we got to finally beat these guys or how are we ever going to beat these guys? You know, we've always been pretty competitive back and forth for a while. We probably had the upper hand for the last couple of years, but I'm sure they'll bring their 80 kids in again this year and it'll be a competitive dual meet. And uh, it's fun, you know, it's just so fun. I mean, you know, it always seems to bring out the best of both communities and it doesn't matter if we go over there or they come over here, the place it's You've packed. seen it. You've seen it. I mean, we've you know we got to pull out these spare bleachers up above, and people wrapped around the gym uh, for that dual meet, and uh, it's just nothing. I don't think I've ever seen. I mean, I, I grew up in a small community in Savannah, Illinois, that had multiple multiple state championships in a row when I was going through high school. But that gym was about the size of you know this uh, basement right here. You know, it was really small. It's kind of hard to imagine. Uh, it being the same thing, but Hempstead, that's pretty special, pretty special rivalry, what's, what we've got going right now and probably what sticks out most. All right. Dang it. I thought he was going to say his best rivalry was against me, but okay, that's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just wrapping things up, um, question I ask every coach at the end of the interview or every interview I have. I don't know if you probably know this at all, but favorite wrestling shoes you ever wore? Oh, God. that That's... Be honest with you, I don't even know what kind of wrestling shoes I wear. Okay, no, no, no. I'm not that guy. I mean, I, there's people that like know. I mean, like my kids when they were younger, in particular, they say, "Oh, there's a pair of so and so. Those, you know, whatever." Or they bought these shoes off of eBay. I'm like, why are you spending a hundred dollars on a pair of used wrestling shoes, guys? I can go out and buy these for if you want, but uh, yeah, I'm not. I've never been that guy. So you know, I guess my favorite pair is the pair that's uh, not totally worn out right now. But uh, even the ones that I did wear out, I usually wore them until there wasn't anything left of them. Gotcha. All right, man. I appreciate you. Anything you want to say before we log off? No, I just I, I think it's pretty awesome that you're doing this for the sport of wrestling, and uh, you know, it's something that's needed for our area again. I you know, hopefully it'll spread out and branch out to even bigger areas down the road as you uh, keep growing. You know, your little niche here in the sport of wrestling. But uh, you know, thank you for doing that, and uh, you know, I'm sure we're going to see each other a lot over over the next few years. For sure, man. I always joke around that I think. I like to think of myself as a son you never wanted. So, all right. We're going to take a quick break here, and we'll be back with Brandon and Brett here shortly. I want to take a quick break here to mention our great sponsors at Raider Outdoor Power. Stop out at 2580 Rockdale Road, and one of their great sales staff will have you set up for the best equipment and top-of-the-line service you can expect from a company who has helped the Dubuque County area since 1957. At Lane's Custom Steel, they have been offering custom power coating solutions to businesses and individuals since 2019. Their skilled team of professionals are dedicated to providing you with high-quality finishes that will last many years. Email Shaden at lanescustomsteel at gmail.com. Now back with Aiden. 
And we're back. Thanks to our sponsors for those ads. Now we're back with the current new head coach of Dubuque Hempstead Wrestling, Brett Haas, alongside, would you call him as your, your associate head coach? You Brandon can call me as the right-hand man, so if it's associate head coach, it's it's guy that we need, that's for certain. 100%. So we also got Brandon Haas joining us. Uh, I appreciate you guys uh, joining the podcast, guys. Thanks for having us on. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you all you do for the, the sport and Dubuque Area Wrestling. Oh, just trying my best here. So, just got done talking with Chuck. He gave me a lot of good insight here. So, you guys were a wrestling family. Obviously, like, the, from the time you guys were born, obviously, this, you guys were all, you guys were pretty much all Hempstead. I mean, you were born in 94, so, 93, so during the, the UD era of Chuck. And then you, you were born ninety eight. Okay, yep. so right when you basically took over the program, so I've been DH since I was born. Okay, so I think that a lot of people want to know, like, obviously, like you guys are probably the most well known family of Dubuque County when it comes to like the dad coaches the sons. Very similar, to, like the Andrews family in Cascade, where all the guys wrestled for their dads. Was it hard wrestling for your dad? Brett, we'll start with you first. Uh, I mean, bluntly, yeah. I mean, I think there were times where it was a little bit difficult. And especially as like a kid who early on couldn't figure it out with high school wrestling. Um, where I, mean, I was a relatively successful, like I wasn't a world beater kid. Um but like going into high school, I anticipated doing well, and the first couple of years it just didn't go that way, and uh, some things needed to change in my life. And I mean, I was very fortunate that my dad was my coach because looking back, I don't know, you know. But um, at times it was difficult, but overall it was it was it was fun. Yeah, and bear for you like. I think you might have actually probably, you know, got to see what Brock and Brett did prior. Was it difficult for you at all or was it easy? I would say I kind of saw it, you know, vicariously through Brett and Brock when they were in high school. I think for me, kind of similar to Brett, it started out a little shaky because obviously there's more expectations for you, I guess you would say, when you're the coach's son and you have a little bit of your co- your dad has so much respect as a high school coach, but I think overall, I think there are so many benefits from my dad being the head wrestling coach. I think it got us closer when we were competing for him, and obviously now when we've been coaching under his wing for how many years, I think we've been so fortunate to have him as a father and as a, a coach that we were competitors for and a coach that we got to learn so much from. So I think there were obviously negatives, um, just from the aspect of it's hard to navigate when you got a room full of 40 kids and, you know, one or two of those are your own sons. And, but I think he did it in the, you know, the best way that you possibly can as a, as a coach who has a son on the wrestling team. So I, nothing that affected us to the point where it hindered our wrestling skills, I would say for me. Yeah. And I, I talked to Eddie Smith about this and the uh, podcast with him and he, he like painted this beautiful picture. It was like, you know, me and my dad both loved wrestling. So it was like. You know, he was my coach. We come home, we talked about wrestling, everything was good. But, like, I feel like at some point, like, you'd have to be like, F off, dad. Like, 
can you just be my dad for like five minutes instead of coach? Or or did it end right when you guys walked in the door? It depended on the night, especially. I mean, for me, it was early on. It was like, I remember there's a specific match when I was a freshman. I was like watching it. And I feel like Brock's got a story where you watch it, watch it, watch it. And then I think as we progressed through high school, we just kind of like learned what, like I learned that I, mean, I had a big mouth. I still have somewhat of a big mouth, you know, but like, no. it's hard to say. <laughs> well, yeah, believe it or not, you know, um, and, uh, but like when to let it fly and when to, Hey, just listen. And that was a skill that I needed to be taught. And fortunately, I feel like by the time we were done in high school, you know, I had it pretty well figured out to the point where we watched film barely more than most other kids would watch film. And we talk about wrestling and similar lights and be like, hey, objectively, these, you know, this is ABC that you need to improve on. Here's ABC you're doing well. And then you move on to the next week. And um, by the time I was probably a senior in high school, I feel like it was a pretty well-oiled machine, you know, where like he knew what I needed you know, and I kind of grew up a little bit too, so I figured out what the hell I, you know, what I got to do too. Yeah. I would say for me, I also just spend it on the day. I can, I have some memories back. I remember really the first time where things got, you know, I knew my dad being the coach going to be a benefit for me. I remember when I was in sixth grade, I was at the Folkestone National Tournament, and I remember I'm in the backside of it, and I'm wrestling this kid who's not very good in the Constellation Semis. I'm beating the kid pretty good. And then all of a sudden he starts coming back on me. I got a pretty bad attitude on the mat and started, I remember, I think I might've started crying on the mat, you know, a little sixth grade me. I remember my dad never got mad at me after a match, you know, win loss. He never cared about the results, but I remember my dad after that match, he got into me a little bit because just my attitude. And I think that uh, it was never about the wins or the losses with him. I think it was more about how we represented ourselves in the, you know, the Hempstead wrestling program. So I think a lot of the nights, it depended on our effort, depended on our attitude in the match. You know, there's plenty of nights where I maybe lost a match that I had good effort where we came home and it was happy. It was, you got to work on this, this. And there were some nights where, you know, bluntly, maybe it was, you did things incorrectly outside the wrestling match. You know, there were plenty of instances when I was in high school where like, hey, you lost this match because you weren't doing things right xyz these couple days leading up to it so um all positives i would say it just depended on the day as well as brett yeah and i i I feel like with that father-son dynamic like you know even like my dad prime example would be like i'd be sitting there watching film and he'd be like trying to like show me something my dad never wrestled but he's like sitting there like trying to like break something down and i just look at him and go i i know more than you but i i think it obviously is different with you guys um, but like, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll sort an example out there. Like, would he get on you guys? Like, you know, it's like a Sunday or something like that. And you come home with like a Big Mac or something like that. He's going to look at you and go, what are you doing? Like, is that, is that, or is it just like, no, like he was pretty, again, when the doors, when you guys walked in the house, it was kind of your dad, not coach. I think when I got the season, it got a little more amplified and I think of a couple of memories. I remember uh, my freshman year when I first experienced cutting weight and I never cut weight when I was a little kid. 
first time dabbling, I was going down to 145, which was not a super big weight cut, but I made it a lot worse than I needed to be because I didn't listen to my dad very well sometimes. I remember over Christmas break, I was like, all right, I got to keep my weight down. We got to make weight, you know, start of January. And I wasn't eating a whole lot of food, but like for me at the time, it was like no conception of what calories were. It was how many ounces this way. I remember I'd always go downstairs to play video games, you know, at night. I remember they had this big bowl of frosting down the bottom, you know, in the, in the freezer. I remember I just like take my hand, and like eat it and I eat it. And the one day my dad was like, what happened to all this frosting? Like, why is it gone? I remember I told him like, yeah, like I, you know, got the cravings for some frosting. And I really, you know, I just felt like I need to eat it. I remember my dad kind of got into me a little bit about that. Uh, so I think it just depended, you know, I think he tried just to give us the best outlets for us to learn how to eat properly in wrestling. And I think, you know, at least for me, I would say maybe bread experiences too, but we were a little stubborn, maybe did things in our own way at times when, it came to making weight, and I think overall he just wanted to create the best person, the best wrestler that we could possibly be. Awesome, and you know, and, and you guys both transitioned into a coaching role. I know Brett did earlier on, like before your freshman year, and then you know you came in later. Did obviously I, I assuming the dynamics change when all of a sudden you're he's you're not an athlete anymore you're a colleague. Was coaching under your dad like did that change anything or did that become more like no like this is I'm work I'm working for some guy I'm working for a different guy I'm working for he's my boss now not my dad. It's it's funny how that transition kind of happened. Um, where early on like I've always 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 loved wrestling so and i never really thought that i was going to be a, like a wrestling coach like i don't know man like maybe i'll go like work for flow wrestling like maybe i won't like i don't know like i love it but i don't know that i wanted to coach it and then i was kind of like messing around in the room um over christmas break when brandon and gannon grandma were, were freshmen and i was like you know rolling with gannon like man like this is ultra fun um and like i think there's some value in it for you know with, with him so like early on it was like i'm gonna come in there and wrestle with cannon and wrestle with a couple more of the guys uh kevin pape and um tanner here and kind of those guys like that um early on so there wasn't a whole lot of dialogue between us and then over the years it was you know like you're around a whole lot you know so during the summer, we'd go to Fargo and we'd be around these really good people. And obviously, we love wrestling, so we're watching all the time. So, like, I kind of chime in with my input. But I guess going back to your question, 100%, like, the dynamic change right away. Like, I mean, I feel like later on when I was in high school, I kind of understood the concept of, you know, like, hey, this guy's the head coach number one, especially when we're, when we're in the room, you know, and that – comes like I've got to respect that and then it's amplified by a hundred when you're coaching for him so and I think you know obviously we're human beings so at times and I think this goes for any good coaching dynamic you're not always going to agree with the head coach you're not always going to agree with your assistant coach but as a staff you all have to band together and then all but the in my opinion the the, the best coaching staffs are the ones that can hold each other accountable. And I feel like I learned that 
again, early on when I was coaching, so I really kind of jumped on board, I think, their junior year. Um, and Nate Harm and Darren Kaisen are still on staff. And Nate Harm is, has had, you know, probably the second biggest influence on my wrestling and coaching. Um, and that's a guy who was never afraid to kind of, um, you know, go there with my dad and like, hey, here's what I think we can be doing better. And ultimately, I learned a lot from that. So I guess going back to what I was trying to get to, um, the my opinion, the best coaching staffs are ones that work cohesively while you're around the kids and around anyone. But, you know, when you got to get down to the nuts and bolts and it's, and it's a coach's meeting and the coach's office or not the coach's office, like you're able to share ideas and ultimately we want what's best for our guys. So, um, I don't know, I guess. No, that's, yeah. no, and that's great. That's actually really great because, you know, again, back to the father son dynamic, very few times you get to talk back to your dad in a way. But as a coach, it's like, no, I'm telling you how to do your job better or, not, or how to improve our program. And so, you know, it makes both of you guys better because you're pushing the envelope, you know, in a sense. And so, obviously, you know, over the summer, uh, Chuck decided to step down and you just, Brett, you just became the head coach. Big question here is, do you think you got some big shoes to fill? I mean, I think the simple answer is yes. Um, but I, I look at it maybe a little bit differently where... Um, you know, on the surface level, there's probably a little bit of pressure. Um, but like in my mind, it's it's what I've wanted for quite some time for one. And like, you know, I've said this for years. I would never be like, hey, man, like, you know, is, is this your last year? Like, I've always known when he's ready to be done, he's going to be done. And I think in May, I think everyone that was really, really close to the situation knew that was pretty much it. And then it kind of progressed through the, you know, the early parts of summer. Um, but yeah, I mean, he is as good as they come. He's as well respected among his peers, his coaches, the officials, everyone really involved. So absolutely big shoes to fill, but in the same breath, like we've got, like he's built such a great thing, you know? So it's, for me, it's just an, an incredible opportunity to have such a great staff with Brandon and Jordan Loy as our assistants and the other guys that are involved with our program. And we will have as big of a coaching staff as ever this year. Um, so for us, it's just we're in such a great place with our staff and with the current kids we have in the program and with what I see as a community in Dubuque that has a ton of resources that we've only scratched on the surface level and I mean, I'm looking forward to the next 15, 20 years of Hempstead Wrestling and really trying to, you know, like I think Chuck set a freaking really good bar. But like in the same breath, I think it's our job as coaches right now to try to raise the bar. And it's been a lot of fun these past couple of months just kind of getting together and figuring out some next steps that we need to take in order to jump levels. Yeah, I, 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 I think I've asked him more times than you probably did. You know, I think every year for the last... Four years, I'm like, so, is this it? Got another one in you? And he and he played such a good poker face, man. Like, oh, I, 
I, I think I got a couple more years left in me. And, you know, and I don't think he's ever going to go away. I don't, I mean, I think he's going to be a huge asset to you guys. You know, even if it's just something of just being in the room. And I've always, one thing I've always respected about Chuck was the fact that, like, it didn't matter if it was a state champ or a JV wrestler. You go to a duel or you go to a tournament, and he's buddying, buddying with a kid who's 0 and 47. And at the same time, he's buddying, buddying with a kid that's 47 and 0. You know, he cares about every one of those kids. So I've always, I've always been really uh, respectful of, of his career and how he always treated those kids. You know, and going into last season, you know, you guys finished seven of the state duels. You guys had five placers. You had a state finalist. Talk about last year. What do you think, Brett? Was it a pretty solid year? Or uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it went really pretty well. Um, I think going into it, you know, I felt like some years that we've had in the past. Um, but I think what we do um, that's unique to a lot of programs is our kids just buy into that, that team component and the rest kind of takes care of itself. Like, we never need, you know, if it's like, like, like there's a pretty good example of a duel early on this season where we had Evan Bratton was under the weather and he's not getting influenced by the coaches. Hey man, like we're kind of going to need you. It's, you know, it could be a tight duel if we don't wrestle well, you know, like he knows just based off the standard of the guys that are involved with the program. And maybe there are some influences with his teammates, you know, like, Hey, we're, we're going to need you. You know, you better make weight and be ready to go. Um, so our kids just really, really bought in better than ever to that team component. And in the biggest two duels of our year, or at least the biggest two duels, we won Linmar regional duels and we did a really good job at the centennial duel at, uh, the state duels. Um, we just bought in the team component and our philosophy is you weigh in at one weight, um, things can change in a dime. You better be ready to wrestle your weight plus the weight above and um, that that night at, in Marion was pretty telling of our guys just buying completely all in, fighting for every point, fighting for each other. And although, you know, we've lost a handful of those guys from last year's team, we've got a good core group and we've got a good freshman class and a couple of good kids that were on the JV last year that um, we expect to be competitive for sure. Yeah. And we'll get to that here in a second. Um, obviously, I want to talk about you guys' returning starters and impact, uh, impact like new guys. So, you know, looking at your guys' upcoming season schedule, let's talk about that. You guys, last year you guys were at the Donnie Brook, pretty tough tournament. And then this year you guys are going to Keith the, the Keith Young down in Waterloo. This podcast is sponsored by Monster Energy Drinks, by the way. And I just want to talk about your guys' season schedule. You know, what, what's your guys' schedule look like this year? Yeah, um, we, we did decide to get into the Keith Young for a multitude of reasons. Uh, the competitive aspect of the Donnybrook was really, really good. I'll just leave it at that. Um, we're looking forward to getting into the Keith Young uh, they added Centennial this year. Like it's and it's still a loaded tournament. Like it's that tournament's loaded. very loaded because you guys. I don't mean to cut you off. No, but you guys have teams like Don Bosco there, Cedar Falls, Centennial. You guys, um, yeah, Valley, Valley. You know, I know you got a date with one of your your favorite coaches, Brett Whelan. 
coming yeah. up this year that's too. Cool. So that's yeah. very cool. You know, he was a former Hempstead coach as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are the big ones that are circled? Like, I, I feel like every coach says, "Oh, obviously the next duel is the most important duel." But tell me, you don't got a couple that are circled where you're like, "Okay, these are the ones that we really want to put an emphasis on." It's 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 funny, you know, because if we were wrestling against someone who's not Linmar, I'm sure there'd be a different answer to it, but we literally do wrestle Linmar at Linmar, the first duel of the year. And, you know, I mean, to put it the way our guys would put it, those guys are going to try to get their get back. Um, and they've got a ton coming back. Um, and they've got as good of a staff as we see the entire regular season. I mean, Doug Strikers, he's the man. Love and, me some Dougie Fresh. Hey, hey, and, and, and he's real. And... We wrestled those guys two out of three years in the regional duel finals, and they were both similar duels, and um, they're very competitive, and there's a lot of energy in that gym. So, yeah, the the first one, obviously, we're looking forward to it, and then that following Saturday, we'll see, like, 12, 3, 8 teams. West Dubuque goes there, too, to the Keith Young now. This will be their second year. Okay. So... I think that's a good situation for us where obviously it's a you know, 17, 18 team tournament, so you're not going to wrestle head-to-head in every weight. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that when we wrestle against Western Dubuque, it's always important. Um, and I think kids who come through our program understand that. And although we 100% respect Paul Cleary, and I feel like, you know, like we'll see him at the Loris homecoming or at a Loris duel or whatever the event is. And, you know, I mean, he, he, he used to shovel my grandparents' driveway. Talks about it all the time. Talks about it's, it all It's time. true, man. I mean, they, th- those guys were neighbors for probably 10, 15 years. Um, and he's just a world-class person. But in the same breath, you know, there's one time per year, especially in a dual meet capacity, and it's very competitive and – we look forward to that one. Uh, I believe it's the middle of January this year too. So okay, it's not going to be during Christmas break this year, like normal. No, it's one of those things where last year we intended for that duel to happen in the Christmas break, um, but now it's a conference schedule. Right. So now they're a literal con- conference opponent. Um, so it's already on our schedule for the middle of January. Um, so for us, I know, like, let's go out there. Like, we already have these guys. Let's go try and schedule somebody who's non-conference. And I saw that those guys did the same thing. I think they've got – it's either Independence or Mount, or Mount Vernon. I'm not sure which team. So a good, tough team right before the Christmas break. Um, so I think smart move by them. And um, Who would you guys schedule for that? We were uh, looking at a, at a couple of different teams this year. It just so happened um, that the schedule where we couldn't get uh, senior right after break, um, where last year we hit them um, – Right after Christmas break this year, we're we're at Russell Senior on the twenty first. Okay, which you is guys, Thursday. Do you guys get Waller on the schedule? No, no. Okay, uh, I'll just put it at that. Okay, no, hundred percent. Um, obviously, you know, you guys have those returning starters. Let's talk about those returning starters. You guys got some dogs in the in the race. So let's talk about your returning starters. That you guys have this year. Yeah, we got, uh, obviously, Mitchell Pins, who came off two straight years of placing at the state wrestling tournament. He's uh, going to be going up a weight class next year, looking at the 113-120 range. So we'll see where Mitchell ends up at. He's obviously, you know, has as much success as 
a lot of former Hempstead wrestlers have. Um, you know, freshman, sophomore year, we got Evan Bertine, who was a state place winner last year, who really ran through a pretty tough consolation bracket. It is pronounced Bertine. It's not Bratton. I, I still call him Bratton. Yeah, if, if you ask uh, him, he would pronounce it Bertine. But on, <laughs> on, on weighing in with Worm, it's, it's Bratton. Okay. Or so Bratton. Unless Brandon's talking about it. Yeah, Bratton. He uh, ended up, I think uh, Coach Pat Bauer called it the revenge tour last year. He ended up beating two guys in the backside who he lost to earlier in the year. Then he beat Oberbrockling from Southeast Polk. The Conce, you know, blood round. Huge win. Huge win. So we got him returning. He's moving up. We got Mitchell Murphy, who was also a state place, place winner for us last year, who, you know, has put on a little bit of weight this year. So we'll see where where he ends up at this year. He's a returning state place winner. Um, we got a couple more guys that are filling the middleweights. We got Garen Christensen, Dane Mangler, who have, um, you know, been spot starters. Garen was a starter for us last year. Um, who we expect to have a lot of success for us this year. Um, we got Dawson Fish, who was a returning state qualifier, who ended up winning you know two years in a row. He ended up winning two matches at state last year, and uh, you know he's another guy. You know we've had a lot of guys who have been putting a lot of time into the weight room this past year, and have been putting on some solid pounds. And Dawson Fish, I think he'll be a force to be reckoned with when he gets up to the you know the weight class that we see him at. Um, we got Cam Smith, who was a freshman last year for us at 170, who's going to be moving up the ranks in the weight class, too. He'll be filling into the higher weight classes, and he, you know, has really put on a lot of weight, and we expect a lot of great things from Cam. Um, Tate Woodruff, who was our 195 last year, he's having a great football season this year. Shout out to Tate. He will be filling in our, our 215 this year. Then we got Zach Collin, who will be rounding us up at, at heavyweight, you know, so we got a lot of really solid wrestlers that will be filling in those weights. And then we got, you know, some guys like Landon Gottschalk who will be a, a newcomer for us this year who his dad, you know, is obviously a state champion for us who, you know, is going to be a really good wrestler for us in the varsity lineup. We got Elijah Hyatt who, you know, for 95% of their programs in the state, he would have been a starter at 106 last year. And we just happened to have state place winners at 106, 113, 120. So, you know, Elijah was a juniors dual uh, national team member, and he was a 16U national duels team member for U- Team Iowa. So, you know, when we add a couple of guys like that, then we got some more guys who have been chomping at the bit, you know, from the JV lineup last year. I think we have a we have a really competitive lineup this year who will, you know, be looking for success right away, that Lindmar duel, and carry on from there. Yeah, and he uh, – Elijah Hyatt, you know, you think about a kid that had just an offseason this year, doubled down state freestyle and Greco. Like you just said, he was on the junior and team or U16 teams for junior duels. He's one of those guys that I think, just from my outside perspective, is, you know, at 106 pounds, he might, he might be a dog in that race. Just, I mean, he's a tough. He's got a swagger to him that is unmatched, I think. Like, he just has this swagger to him that is. Un- unmatched in Dubuque, in my opinion. So, you guys did take that. Uh, I was just going to ask who the in- incoming impact players are going to be, but sounds like Bear did a really good job here of-, of narrowing those guys down. So, it sounds like you guys got a really good team here, and I'm excited for you guys. Um, just wrapping things up here. I appreciate you guys sitting down with me. Before we go, 
Brett, start with you. Favorite pair of shoes you ever competed in. Go. Ooh. Or coached in, whatever. Um, competed in the aggressors. The original ones came out my senior year. So I had Rulons. So I'm a, uh, like a one, you know, like I'm probably in the 1% on this one. And I think it's because I've got fat feet. But for whatever reason, uh, when I wore Rulons, I had the, I had the gray one. So they, they, they weren't the coolest Rulons of all time. Um, they didn't fit me as well and feel as, as good. So, and then like later on in my wrestling career, I wrestled better. So maybe I'm impartial, impartial to these two. Um, but I like the aggressors. Hey, I'm, I'm team aggressor or team Rulon, especially the black and gold ones. I'm convinced, I'm convinced that you guys designed your singlets around the fact that you were wearing black and gold aggressors that year. <laughs> Sweet dude. Is it, uh, like we, uh, ordered our singlets sometime during the summer and I had a good buddy on the team. He was our other state place finisher my, my uh, senior year, Leighton Fritch. And I remember sending him a picture like in like November. And I was like, dude, you see these shoes? I just got them. And he like sent me a picture of his in hand. Like, yeah, I got them like a week ago, man. So yeah. like, those were no, pretty sweet. I'm I'm on the I'm I've gotten in arguments with people that are like, oh no, I'm I'm team Rulon. I was like, nah, dude, I'm team aggressor, black and gold. So like those are way cooler, I always thought than Rulons. Bear, what about you, buddy? I think my favorite shoes that I probably ever competed in, I remember my freshman year, Gavin Grimmel lended me his uh, OG Nike Inflix, the black and gold. Um, so I wore those. It ended up being a little bit of a somber day, but those shoes were awesome. Um, uh, that. That, that's super funny because Gavin got those from me, and I almost wanted to shout those out, but I got them actually after I uh, wrestled. <laughs> um, but I... I believe I traded Gavin those for like Nike 360s or whatever they were and like a little a little bit of cash so, you know you got a little playing around money back on Flickr back in the day um but yeah that's funny how those shoes went through it a little bit yeah and obviously like I was I'm a huge shoe guy so both those answers were awesome so wrapping things up here we're gonna close things out with uh Brock here in a little bit Guys, I appreciate you guys so much. I wish you guys nothing but the best this season. You guys, you got anything to say before we, we uh, log off? Go Stags. Okay. Appreciate you, Worm. Appreciate all you do. All right. We'll be back. With wrestling and all other sports, injuries happen. But have you ever considered an all-natural way to aid in those injuries? Lori Gravel from Hoppiness on the Hill can help you get the products you need to get over those pains in an all-natural way. Lori owns and operates her own hops farm in Otter Creek, Iowa. The hops she picks are then made into medicinal products. These medicinal products, like the Hopped Up Oil or the Hoppy Bod Deep Muscle Rub, can help with nerve pain, muscle pain, joint pain, arthritis pain, headaches, migraines, bone-on-bone pains, and so many more. So give Lori a call today at 563-590-2277 and tell her Worm sent you. She'll give you a 10% discount off your first order. Wrestlers, are you looking for some new supplements to get your guys' lift going? Make sure you guys are all fired up for those lifts? Stop at SUPS, located in Target Plaza here in Dubuque. I personally have been using their supplements for the last probably year, year and a half now. I absolutely love them. Uh, Their amino pre-workout is one of my personal favorites and my wife's. We go ahead and we probably go through a canister of it every two weeks. Our favorite flavor is the strawberry lemonade flavor. It's phenomenal, super easy to drink. You can almost drink it as a, as like almost like an energy drink, just uh, and then regular every day. Also, 
just got my hands on some of their protein. I got a uh, chocolate peanut butter that is unreal. It tastes almost just like you're drinking a milkshake, even if you're adding water to it. I know some people say if you add water to protein, it doesn't taste nearly as good as milk, but this protein has so much flavor that even adding water to it still is a really, really good protein drink. I also get all my multivitamins there, so I'm super excited for them to start sponsoring the pod. I have a link at Worms Weigh-In on Instagram uh, right in the profiles. So if you're doing any online shopping and you want to get your supplements through them, click that link and shop there that way. I appreciate it. Sups is probably one of the best supplement companies in the area. I suggest going to them. Stop down there today. And we're back. Thanks for listening to those ads. We just got done with Brandon and Brett Haas. Brett is the new head coach at Hempstead for the boys team. I'm now sitting down with the eldest of the Haas family, uh, Brock Haas, who, or Haas. I, dude, it's, I'm just going to get off the record here. It's Haas. For everyone that wants to know, it's Haas, because I feel like people refer to you guys as Haas from as long as I've known you, but luckily I've been around you guys long enough. I refer to you as Haas, so just to clarify, it is Haas. <laughs> yeah. So Brock is the women's coach at Hempstead. Brock, thanks for being on the pod, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me, Warren. I appreciate it. No problem. Uh, you and I have gone back probably almost 20 years. Yeah. I remember the first time I met you was down in the Coconut Tournament, and like there was whispers around. People are like, hey, there's Chuck's son. And here comes this little sawed-off 160-pound 14-year-old who had traps on him like Brock Lesnar. <laughs> and you and I started going to DWC together and, you know, we got our friendship going there. So to see you now as a head coach at Hempstead is super exciting. So I'm really glad to have you on the pod. Just wrapping things up here with the boys and your dad, you know, you grew up in a wrestling family and you were the first one. Was there a lot of trial and error with you or did you think that your experience was pretty awesome? You know, I wouldn't trade my experience in wrestling uh, as, a, as a wrestler, as a competitor for, for anything. You know, there's a lot of life lessons I think I gained along the way. You know, maybe for me, like, I mean, I don't know that I necessarily finished the way I wanted to in the, in the sport, but I think that's part of what made me who I am, you know. Like, I don't know that I would change anything with any of the results or anything that I did, but I think that I would take a lot of the things that I learned along the way and hopefully I apply it to how I live my life today. Yeah, and you were a three-time state qualifier, yeah. one-time placer or two? One time, actually. One, okay. Lost in the blood round twice, so. Gotcha, okay. Now, I, I asked this question to Brandon and uh, Brett. Was it hard to wrestle for your dad? Like, in your, in your eyes, like, was there difficulty separating coach and dad, dad and coach? I know, personally, we, we call him coach, yep. just all the time. Was it difficult for you at some times where you were just like, I wish you were dad right now instead of coach, or I wish you were coach instead of dad? You know, I, I kind of reflect back to, to my dad's answer from earlier. I don't know any different, really, you know. I mean, I played college sports, and he wasn't my coach then, obviously, but at the time, I didn't know any different, and uh, I had a great experience. I think we we both learned a lot from from him being my coach and me competing, and he's a, obviously an outstanding coach. I mean, He'll probably be in the Hall of Fame someday as a coach um, in a lot of different fields. Um, so I feel lucky that he was my coach in my corner for not just in, in wrestling, but in, for life. And I know we just say that, but it's there's something to that that's bigger than just the wrestling circle. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you think as a whole with you, Brett, and Brandon, do you think there's big shoes to fill? From, from filling in as the new head coach at Hempstead? Yeah. 
You know, absolutely. I mean, shoot, like you were reading off those accolades earlier today with um, all the things that he's accomplished. That's a, it's a pretty big deal, man. I mean, 20 years, 100 qualifiers, multiple finalists, champs, place winners. It's a lot, you know, and um, hopefully at some point in time we can work towards that mark. But again, I think there might be things in wrestling that are bigger than just those wins and losses too. 100%. So going off of last season, last season was you guys' first yeah. year with a full girls team. Talk me about that. How, how did you guys' season go last year? You know, it was pretty fun, man. You know, we went from a sport gets sanctioned in uh, end of 2021, end of 2022. 20, 22. 22, sorry. End of 22 gets sanctioned. And that season we had one girl competitor. And I think prior to that, over the last decade, we've had maybe a girl that's come out for wrestling here and there. And it's been kind of a smaller thing. But then this past year, as we started our program, we started out in the low 20s with numbers and finished probably in the high teens um, for numbers and had four girls that qualified for state. Um, bunch that won matches down there and had one girl that came up an eyelash short of, of being on the medal stand. Uh, and that was 21st year wrestlers, you know, and uh, hopefully it's something we can build upon for this year and in the future from that point. Yeah, and you can see the growth in the area when it comes to girls wrestling. Oh, like, sure. obviously, like, I think Wallard started it off big when they started their program. Yeah. You know, right out the gate, they had 25 <clears throat> athletes. And then, you know, when it got sanctioned, West Dubuque has 20 girls. Sure. Senior has 20 girls. You guys have 20 girls. What do you think caused that? Do you think it's just a new sport that's getting people excited about it? Or do you think there was just something there that no one ever tapped into? Well, I think I really think the reason why that girls were not a part of wrestling in, the, in Dubuque and in Iowa in general prior to that was the fact that we had boys competing against girls, practicing against girls. And I think that really deterred a lot of our students from being a part of our sport, which is super unfortunate in my opinion. I mean, you and I have been, wrestling has been a part of our lives for shit, 30 years. And uh, we've essentially closed the door to half the population on wrestling because we've kind of discriminated against and not let girls wrestle against girls. And it's an awesome opportunity that our, our kids have today that they weren't afforded five years ago. 100%. And I, and I said this during the Lenny Dugan podcast where I was like, if there was a girl on the team you know, it's a terrible look now in 2023, but as a team, you were kind of like, okay, we got to weed her out. Like in, in some aspects, like, I don't think it was anything personal, but it was just more one of those things of like, Hey, like wrestling's a tough sport. So if you can hang awesome, but if you can't, there's the door. I feel like that was kind of the mentality I, I felt like with some teams, but now that the sport's progressing, like you said, to where you know, we just witnessed the world championships. You know, you're seeing these athletes that are just coming along and all of a sudden now we have all these avenues now to have these girls competing. I feel like that's just a a monstrous boom for the girls girls in the state and girls in the country to, to be competing in. Um, but looking at your schedule for the upcoming season, you know, what, what big ones do you guys have circled? Yeah, you know, I think going back to what you said about um, – you at Team USA, look, that's fantastic. I mean, you look at Elor and Helen and on some of these girls that are kicking butt in the national stage. Hopefully we can catch Japan in the next couple of years. I don't know if that's possible. They're pretty darn tough. Um, but I think when you talk about like prior to sanctioning of the sport, I don't know that it was necessarily the weeding of a person out of the, the team as much as it was just an uncomfortable thing for both the boy and the girl if they're practicing together or competing against each other. I think for both parties involved, that was probably an uncomfortable thing. I think that was really the, de the deterrence um, that was causing some girls not to want to compete. And then all of a sudden when, hey, we have a girls team only, our girls are practicing with girls, we're competing against girls, 
were wrestling in girls tournaments. I think that was a huge step forward. Um, looking at this year, um, our first dual meet, our first meet we have is a tournament over at Linmar. We have a dual tournament. Really looking forward to that right now. I tell you what, we've got, um, we kind of got our, our butt handed to us there last year. It was the first ever wrestling match for 20 kids. And uh, that was tough because we, it was, a lot of other girls had competed prior to that. We wrestled teams like East Buchanan. Didn't have a lot of numbers. We had more kids in the lineup than they did. But all our girls had wrestled before. They had four girls that placed at the state tournament. Like, they're some tough kids, you know. And we wrestled Linmar, who had 20-some girls out. We wrestled against um, uh, Iowa City High. And we wrestled some other teams that were really stout there. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing where we're at this year. I think we made a lot of growth throughout the season um, this past year. And I think we had a lot of girls commit to making improvements for the last six months after the season. So... I'm excited to see where that falls in that first November date. Yeah, and now as a coach, you know, you coached the boys' teams for probably since, what, 2012? I've been a, Yeah, I've been a part of it since, yeah, 2011, 2012, yeah. Yeah. What, what, cha- or what, what was different, do you feel like, coaching boys and all of a sudden coaching girls? Because I know, like, yeah. when we took over, like, when I was at Waller, I noticed right away that the girls were more – worried about being perfect in their technique it seemed like you know like I felt like I I spent more time you know telling them hey you don't have to worry about being perfect at it just get it done right now and get to that position but that you know I think that I noticed that that was a big difference like if I was talking to a boy showing him a technique it was like yep go through the motion I see it I'm gonna go girls it was like okay now why am I doing this here or this here at least a couple of girls in particular did you, what was the big difference, I think, or did you think, like, you know, from coaching boys for 10 years and all of a sudden now you're teaching girls who've never wrestled before and, the, you know, the attitudes, the mentalities, all that stuff? I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's kind of a twofold um, answer. One, you've got 20 plus kids that are, this is their first ever wrestling practice. This is their first month, first competition. So they're so new to the sport that it's different. It's kind of, like coaching, I mean, if you were, you know, I was coaching boys for 10 plus years, it was the first year wrestler group, you know? I mean, these are just kids that are brand new to the sport that haven't been a part of it. So that was a big component of it, but I think you're right. There are some things I think we're, I'm probably stereotyping a little bit, but I do agree with what you said. I think there's a lot to be said about. Um, a lot of my female athletes that I've coached are very detail oriented. Like if we're drilling a new technique and they make one mistake on the setup or the, the shot finish, whatever the heck it might be, um, it'll be like, I got to stop and redo that. And I'm just thinking, man, we got to just finish your shot. Like, I mean, I'm thinking, again, generalizing significantly here, but many of the boys I've coached, they do it. They're just going to do it wrong. They're going to finish it. And I think there's probably some good and some bad for both of those different approaches. Like, I think we do need to understand that at some point, even if you hit it a little bit wrong, it's not going to be perfect in a match. We got to learn how to finish it. But I think having that detail-oriented mentality also allows you to perfect your technique and jump more levels. So I think... You need a little bit of both, and finding that balance for both boys and girls wrestlers is important. Okay. And so your expectations for the season, you know, I, I think you probably have a list of goals already written sure. down. You know, what's, what's the expectations you have for this upcoming season? We've been working hard on getting more girls out. I mean, we filled out the middle to upper weights really well. Um, we didn't fill out our lower weights really well, and that cost us some, some dual meets, and that's on me as a coach to get more kids out for the program. So I've been working on that, I think we'll be pretty darn close to filling all 14 weights, so... Hopefully it'll pay some dividends, Linmar tournament, and then going forward there with some of our conference dual meets. Um, so filling the lineup has been a big deal. We got three state qualifiers back. Um, 
that have been working hard, and I'm excited to see those girls compete. We've had a couple other girls that have competed a lot. Uh, Annabelle Blanchard's been wrestling, training all summer, all fall, and I think she's put herself in a good place to have a really nice senior season of wrestling. So I'm excited for those kids. Do you have any in- incoming, like I call them impact players, like, you know, sure. freshmen that you like, you can sit there and go, oh, I'm excited for her, or I'm excited like what she can do this season? You know, I think time's going to tell on that. We don't have a lot of like kids that are coming in that have a ton of wrestling experience. We had a couple of girls coming in that are athletic kids that I'm excited about. But I don't know that you could say that we got a kid coming in and like, oh man, this kid's going to be a top five finisher at state right now. But I would say those girls that are qualifiers in Annabelle Blanchard, so Caitlin Brokus, Paige Howison, Ayla Osterkamp. So those four kids will kind of be a big part of our nucleus this year. And I'm excited to see those kids jump some levels, go from winning a match or two at state to hopefully uh, having a medal around their next Saturday evening. That'd be, that'd be a lot of fun for you guys. Absolutely. Well, wrapping things up here, um, you know, I appreciate you, brother. You're one of my best friends here, so I was super excited to sit down with the pod with you. Last question, favorite shoes? Yeah, you know what? I don't know if I have quite the Chuck's mentality on the shoe game there. I remember. I tell you, you have this, a shoe game, dude. I, would, I know you do. I'll tell you this. I remember still, this is a story from 2000 and shoot. This would have been like 06 or 07. I remember I had burned through a pair of shoes at DWC practice. I don't remember what pair I was even wearing then. And I remember you, like, hey, Brock, you're going to Fargo in a couple of weeks. How about you wear these? I remember you lent me your pair of 54s. They were gray 54s. This would have been, I think, 2007, maybe. 06, I don't know. Yeah. One of those years. But I remember wearing those out at Fargo. I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of pictures out there from it, and I had a good time out there in those. The 54s I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the closest those shoes ever got to Fargo, wear them on your feet. So yeah, and they, I'm, glad, I'm glad they got they yeah, got to take the, the trip out to, North Dakota, out to North Dakota, and I had to sit behind, but... Awesome, man. I appreciate you joining on. Do you have anything to say before we log off? I tell you what, I'm getting similar to Chuck. I really appreciate you doing this, man. You, Like you said, you're one of my best friends. We've been buds for 20 years, and uh, this is exciting. I'm excited to see where you go with this podcast and to see what comes in with more weigh-in with Worm. Awesome. We're going to wrap things up here, some ads, and then some closing thoughts on my end. But thank you, guys. We'll be right back. All right, wrapping things up here with the Haas family. Um, truly, you know, one of the more synonymous names here in Dubuque when it comes to wrestling. Like I said earlier, you know, they're a rare family where all three boys uh, competed for their dad. And then, you know, really rare where all three of all three boys end up coaching with their dad. And, uh, that's actually really cool. I mean, um, I've, I've, I've known the boys, you know, like Brock said, Brock and I became friends early on in high school. And then, you know, as we got older, got through uh, coaching, college, a lot of that stuff, I slowly became friends with each one of the boys. And, um, you know, I've developed a lot of respect for Chuck. Um, you know, there's definitely times when I was coaching across from them that, you know, things probably did get heated. You know, we probably said some things that got both of us fired up, but, you know, that's what happens in competition. And, you know, the good thing about, you know, friendships in the sport of wrestling is you can have your arguments across the across the map, but then as soon as, you know, the dust settles, you guys can brush yourselves off and move forward because that's, you know, that's what real people do, I like to think. So, big shout out again to the Hasses. Um, Chuck, congratulations on retiring. It's very well deserved. Uh, you've definitely earned... Uh, your spot in, you know, the area's uh, lasting legacy of coaches. 
Uh, to the boys, nothing but good luck this season. Um, I I know bo- or both the boys and the girls teams are going to be very well coached. And uh, I know the passion will be there. So wrapping things up here, uh, next week we will be sitting down with Bellevue head coach Dave Rebarger. I'm going to chat a little wrestling with him, talk about how he uh, reinstarted the Bellevue wrestling program uh, back up after they shut down in 1993. So that's a pretty interesting story there. Uh, Just a heads up too, I did get a fresh batch of t-shirts. I got about nine left in a couple different sizes. So if you are interested, uh, shoot me a DM at Worms Wayne on Instagram. While you're there, give me a follow as well. I really appreciate that. Otherwise, guys, I'll see you next week. This is Worm. I got my one. I'm out. Before we go, I do want to give a shout out one more time to our sponsors. Raider Outdoor Power, Lane's Custom Steel, Hoppiness on the Hill, King's Cuts by Anna, and now Sup's uh, Supplement Store, all local businesses. So if you guys get a chance to follow their social media pages, you have a chance to visit their stores and their buildings, please go ahead and do that. Huge supporters of the podcast, so I can't thank these people enough. So and if anyone is interested in sponsoring the podcast, please reach out to me at Worms Weigh In on Instagram and we can talk about getting a sponsorship set up for you guys as well. Thanks.